It's today's episode. We're talking about Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd's latest project, The Shrink Next Door, an Apple TV series which just released three episodes. We're talking about the first one, The Consultation. I watched it. You did the research for it. So let's talk about it. One thing I didn't know about this show going in was that it is a mystery. It's not just a comedy drama. I knew that Will Ferrell was going to do that thing where he switches from his Ricky Bobby persona or his Anchorman persona or his elf persona, and he was going to try to reinvent himself again. Now he's playing sort of a nervous Jewish old man. When did he reinvent himself before? <laughs> he's done it from since, like, I think 2011. He did that one movie about moving outside his house. And then he was in that Lifetime movie with Kristen Wiig. He hasn't played the same type of just super... What was that um, basketball movie he was in? Semi-Pro. Semi-Pro. He hasn't done just that character for the last 10 years like he had in the early 2000s. Like from Undeclared or... Sorry, not Undeclared. Oh, old school? Yeah. yeah. Point being, at a certain point you get famous enough, you choose your own projects, you stop getting typecasted because you're able to basically control whatever you're doing. So Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell, they both meet that criteria where they can do whatever they want. I mean, Paul Rudd was just named Sexiest Man of the Year, and yet he's in a TV show where he plays an old Jewish therapist who you're not supposed to like too much. Yeah, he's an antagonist. I've heard he's like villainous, and it's kind of disturbing to watch, actually. Well, in the first episode, he's much more compassionate and um, charming, and disarmingly charming. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely hints about halfway through... Um, as well as the first scene itself that give you give it away that he's supposed to be the bad guy. What, what are those hints? Well, so let's get into the show. First episode, the consultation, right? Yeah. Begins with a party. It's innocent enough. It's a house party. It looks like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills uh, person who's hosting it is pretty famous. It's Paul Rudd, but he's got like old man makeup on. He's uh, got his gray hair. Oh, like, so he's older now. Okay. He's a little bit older. Um, I think it actually takes place in like the 90s. But, like, the majority of the show takes place in 82. The podcast that's based off of takes place in 1981, and I watched the, or I listened to the first episode. Okay, 82 here. Yeah, because I listened to the first episode, and uh, it's kind of starting out like you were saying, but go ahead. Yeah, so he's at this party, and he's just going around. He's hosting the thing, so he's not very humble about it. (laughs) He's just bouncing around, talking to people, and kind of showing off, taking pictures with famous people, you know? And he Recreations of famous people or actual famous people that show up in the show? Someone who's obviously a big deal, but that I didn't recognize, and I wasn't going to go check who it was. But he, like, insisted on a photograph with them. He calls someone over. They don't know how to use the camera. Someone else comes over. They take the picture. But then you can kind of tell that the person taking the picture, because they never show their face, is Will Ferrell, right? Mm -hmm. Because then later on, the party's over. It's nighttime. And Will Ferrell is there, and he is jacking shit up. Like, he's breaking the basketball court rim, which is glass, and then he's, like, destroying all the glasses left over from the party, uh, the bartending, like, is drinks and everything is like he... that. Oh, he's mad. He's just, like, trying, and he's digging up the yard, and uh, <laughs> as, like, he's digging a grave, and then he realizes he's bleeding, uh, probably because he smashed the uh, basketball court and glass got somewhere. But, yeah, so that's the beginning scene. Cut to 1982. So, backflash. Right? right? Everybody's way younger. Will Ferrell doesn't have gray hair anymore. His name's actually Marty. We learn that he is the boss of a curtain-slash-drape warehouse company. And uh, one thing I also learned about Paul Rudd very early on in this role was that he was doing a Jewish accent. A very <laughs> obvious Jewish accent. Jewish accent. And Will Ferrell does the same exact thing. 
So I think everybody in this show, I think this is a Jewish themed psychiatrist show. Um, kind of like how with Billy Crystal, he did analyze this. That was also a, a movie. Yeah, I heard. I heard that like for some reason it's it's a very big deal that they're Jewish, which I guess in the podcast made a little bit more sense. But it was just kind of like they mentioned it here. Though, well, it's it just funny like how a... like you can't do accents too often anymore because you're gonna like piss people off because of appropriation and how like with most cultures it's considered racist. I guess it just hasn't gotten to the Jews yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's 1982, and Marty's working at the warehouse. His sister's also there. His sister's name is Phyllis, and I recognized her. I just didn't, couldn't place Catherine where. Catherine Hahn. Yep. WandaVision. Oh, the villain from yeah, WandaVision. Right. Well, she plays a good guy here. So she's the big sister, and she kind of protects Will Ferrell. Or she's playing the big sister. She might actually be younger than him. Um, but yeah, so at, at anytime any like person gets mad at Ferrell, he, he like closes in on himself and and goes into the fetal position he like oh wow so he like really no he goes into the back room and then he like cries uh he he has anxiety disorder right Mm, but she is there to like protect him so he had recently broken up with this girl named deborah that's his ex and he broke up with her via fax and so (laughs) it was deb it was phyllis's job to talk to deborah and basically say hey get out of his life he doesn't want to be with you and then also this like curmudgeon old jewish guy (laughs) demands to speak with like marty's uncle who used to work there um, because he had like carpet lining installed on his carpet, which he did not want, or his drape. Right, because he works at a fabric. Yeah, like a yeah I already said yeah. he owns it. Yeah. Anyways, Phil has to basically tell him, go screw yourself, and then Marty is okay afterwards. But then Marty agrees to finally go see a shrink about it, about his anxiety. So it's Phyllis that convinces him. Yeah, she's been pushing him to go to this appointment this whole time. Because in the, in the podcast, it's a rabbi that tells him about this. Uh, They're mentioning idea. rabbis all the time in this show. So, yeah, um, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Anyways, he goes uh, to this random building, right, where this shrink is, and it's Dr. Isaac. And Rudd is noticeably younger than he is in the first scene. Like, he's got black hair now, and he looks more like himself. Turtleneck, uh, tweed, like, jacket. He's definitely, like, playing up the role. Um, but it's very contrasted. To, like, his, his office is very simple compared to his giant house. Really? Because, yeah, I heard that the office was kind of big and it, it was, like, pretty good. Like, Ike lived a pretty, pretty lavish. Good. Like, he lived a pretty lavish. I think this is before he, like, splurged. Okay. Because he couldn't afford some things. But anyways, he's laid back. He seems like he's a good he's a good shrink. Like, he's good at his job because when Marty keeps on making excuses to leave, like, oh, I really shouldn't be here. I'm sorry for wasting your time. Like, he manipulates him, the doctor does, into sort of staying, but, like, in a good way. Like, hey, uh, let's just shoot the shit. Like, let's just talk about random stuff. Like, something that you would do if you feel like someone is, is actually in trouble and just trying to disarm them enough to talk about it, you know? Right, because we learned in the podcast that Marty, he had kind of gone to a lot of other therapists that were, like, lay down here, tell me about your dreams, whatever. But when he actually met Ike, it was, like, a lot more friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so he invites him outside, and they go out on a nice walk right mm. seems genuinely interested in marty's life and and we learn a lot about marty he opens up he talks about how his parents died recently how he basically was bequeathed the uh huge warehouse and becoming the boss and that his uncle does not like that and his uncle is suing him so oh, the wow. person the curmudgeonly old guy who wanted to speak to the uncle earlier was wanting to speak to the guy who's suing will ferrell for that job um and then his ex is also trying to get a free vacation out of the fact that they broke up because he had promised her to, that they could go on vacation together. And she still wants to hold him to that, wow. even though that they've broken up. And then uh, he just can't confront anybody about it. And every time he gets nervous, his heart just pounds so hard and he has like a panic attack. Right. Mm-hmm. And we actually hear that in the show. And it reminded me 
a little bit of Jim Carrey's show that he did a while back, the gritty one that was like about Mr. Rogers, but like oh oh yeah, you're talking about like the Man on the Moon, but that's what it was kind of yeah, it came out about a year ago, I think. Kidding. That was the name of the show. And Jim Carrey's character was depressed. And so the like the whole tone of that show was like grainy and kind of uh, just very dark compared to the Mr. Rogers rule that it like is supposed right, to be yeah. juxtaposed with. But with this show, you get a little bit of that grain, but it's so Apple made that it's very polished grain. So, so it's you a- feel like it wasn't as authentic? Maybe no, neither were authentic. I didn't really like the kidding show. I don't. This show is okay, but the, I'll get to the part right now that I didn't like about the show, which was that suddenly they're walking on the thing, and and uh, in order to break Marty further open, Ike tells him, "Hey, look, a basketball game." And that's where I roll my eyes because it's like no one's just going to allow them to just jump into a pickup game, especially the way that Ike does it. Because he's like, "Hey, you guys use two more members," and they're like, "Sure." And Marty's <laughs> like, "I don't know how to play." And Marty's pretty old he's like will ferrell's age so like they would not just be like okay sure he's on my team it also seems like i take the ball no, 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 let, let me finish okay. the story so ike is on one team marty's on the other but when marty gets the ball ike starts like asking for it like being like hey man hey man just give me the ball like and he convinces him to give it to him because he's like kind of just flustered and then it, <laughs> and then ike scores and then everybody's pissed off at marty and then they just walk away and that, that's the end of that scene and it's basically so shoehorned in there to kind of show that like Ike isn't afraid to manipulate people. And Marty's like, hey, why'd you do that to me? And he's like, because you need to learn that, like, you have to stand up for yourself. And so it showed that Ike already has this sort of edge that he's doing. But then he does something good again, which is convinces Marty to call with his girlfriend from the payphone, which is something he was never going to do. So he even pays for him with the, the dime or whatever to make the call. So he does make the call and it starts off pretty. Have you ever gotten mad listening to someone on a phone call? Yeah. Not because they were like being overly chatty or something, but like heard them what they're saying and been like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you you want to just grab the phone from them. Right. So he's telling Marty, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to tell her that we can't take this or that that you're not going to let her go to Mexico on your dime. And so he starts off the phone call. Fine. Marty says, I can't pay for you to go to Mexico for a week. (laughs) Then two seconds later, he says, Five days is more affordable. Oh, <laughs> but that's followed by fo- followed by, yeah. How about three days in Poughkeepsie? I do have a coupon <laughs> for that. And and at that point, Ike is like, no, no, no. And he like hangs but up isn't on. Isn't that him. funny though? Isn't that? Like- it was hilarious. That was the best scene probably of the. Yeah, close to the best scene. The scenes where there was Marty, Ike, and the girlfriend were probably the best because there's one later on too. But Marty starts having another panic attack because he doesn't he because they hung up on her his ex-girlfriend so they go to the second avenue frame shop to just calm down apparently ike knows the owner of it and they give him like a glass of water he calms down and the owner of the place is like hey i got those two photos you got ready and so he pulls out the photos and um (laughs) ike starts showing off like humble bragging about who he's gotten a picture with it was someone from glow the gorgeous ladies of the the whole netflix show was about right no in in the podcast it was like jim carrey elton john he just kept on playing famous people that he had like i guess had therapy with on the walls pictures on their walls Okay, so I wonder why they chose the glow one. But anyways, so he then says, oh, I must have left my wallet at my place, right? And then uh, Marty, being the nice person that he is, and also kind of a a rube, because we learned that um, if you were going to call Ike anybody, it would be sort of a shyster, which is definitely for these type of stereotypes to be played out this way. eh, I don't know. It, It doesn't cross a line, but it's kind of weird to watch. He does that thing where he convinces Marty to pay him for not only the first hour, but also two hours by basically saying, no, 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 you don't owe me anything. No, no, please let me pay you. And he's like, 
thank you. And then he's like, but technically it was an hour and 15 minutes, which I charged for a full two hours mm-hmm. then. So he gets the full payment. You can tell this guy's kind of like, basically like treating Marty like a schlub a little bit. Like he's can, he can just manipulate him. And so he gets his photos, but then he says, okay, so for the rest of your two hours here, we're going to go actually to your girlfriend's place and <laughs> and actually solve this, which was, I think, the best scene of the whole thing because he goes in there and the girlfriend assumes by the way that he's just walking in there, that he is Marty's lawyer. And then Paul Rudd goes on a huge tangent, speaking on Marty's behalf and putting his foot down, basically just saying, no, you will not, or else we're going to raise legal action against you. It's a really funny scene to watch. I would recommend seeing this first episode, basically just for those interactions. Is that uncomfortable, though? No, not that part. That part is played for laughs. And then at the end of it, they go home, uh, they, uh, they leave the apartment, and then Ike points to across the street where there's one of those cows that I guess in the 80s were also being painted at that time. Right. And uh, and he's like, I'm going to own one of those one day. And uh, huh. and you're just like, okay. And then they zoom to back to the party that Wolf uh, Farrell had like been destroying everything, right? Right. And the thing that he was digging the grave for was one of the cows. And right. then he just like throws dirt on it. So the real question is, well, my first question going into the show was who is the shrink, but that's been answered. Mm-hmm. My second question now is like, what happens that leads to this, and also how did Paul Rudd's character not recognize Will Ferrell um, at the party because this is clearly like ten or fifteen years later or something. Also, there was this beekeeping scene at the very beginning that might come into play later on, but I'm not exactly sure why. Like maybe he's maybe Will Ferrell is like plotting to kill uh ike with like because he's allergic to bees or something but really it, it might just be because he's a nervous guy and that bee keeping is a very calming there, there's thing to do. there's if you want some of those answers you should just actually listen to the podcast because i won't give anything away about the party or anything but the cows was something where ike told uh marty that he wanted just to have those cows well the thing was, you know what the cow story is right like with new york how a bunch of years ago they put them out everywhere, but then they got vandalized and stolen and stuff, and so they had to bring them back in because it was like some sort of art exhibit. Mm. Since then, they have done like uh, kind of smaller, like they put out a ton of cows in the city. Like I, I think it was like hundreds or or thousands, right? But then they couldn't get them back. So now then they've done that in a smaller scale type thing, but they've also been selling them, I think, for the city or something. I, it's been a whole thing for years. But and years in and real years. life, Marty actually paid for like four of those huge giant cow statues. I don't think they're too... Well, maybe they're more expensive now than they were, but I don't think they're too expensive. Well, I mean, okay. So are you introduced to New York Times journalists at all? I've told you everything that happens. Okay, in yeah, because the New York Times journalist is a person who's narrating the podcast. There's and, like, no narrator. To them. That would no, make it. That would take it away. But also, you were talking about things that Will Ferrell has done to distance. And Stranger Than Fiction was definitely one of those roles where it was like, oh, he's That's not just comedy, playing. Though. Yeah, comedy, but not as typical Anchorman comedy. Well, yeah, like a... for a while, Will Ferrell was literally just the slapstick guy that people would call because he was from SNL and doing cowbell skits, right? Like yeah. now he literally he's done Funny or Die, but he's also doesn't he work on Succession? Yeah, well, I mean, he's the executive producer for it, I think. Yeah, and so like he's got his hands in everything. Well, this is the first time that uh, Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd have worked in eight years together, and it, and Michael Showalter, who's a comedian. Her listen to the podcast called Paul Rudd and that was like hey you should listen to this too and then once they finally all did that they contacted Will Ferrell and then they decided to actually go and, and shoot it but they didn't know how just to imagine shoot. having that amount of fame and power where you could just hey oh I like this idea I'm gonna make a show about well not it. only that they did they didn't even know how they were going to end it like they finally figured out like the fate of all the characters late into production when they were shooting it like right before they were actually going to shoot the finale 
Um, overall, the show has a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes and hmm. a 68 on Well, IMDb. there were three episodes, and I only saw the first one. The first one, I would give a solid 7.5. Like, it was... it was. That's what, that's what the first episode has on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't discouraged by it. I would definitely have watched another episode of it. There were parts of it, like the basketball thing, that were a little cringe because time period-wise, there was, like, a lot of violence going on in the city. Right, yeah. And yet you have these two Jewish guys just walking down and being like, hey, guys, let's join your basketball well, I, game. I know that also, and I again, I've only listened to the first episode, but if you hear the podcast, like, the things that Ike was able to manipulate Martin into doing Oh, I'm sure it's going to get worse crazy. and worse. But this is the first episode, so you only saw the trace outline of something sketchy going on. But it did ruin something for you that it showed you him being so upset with Ike's character early on in the episode. Like, if they hadn't done that, then it'd be more of a mystery. Right now, it's like, yes, there's going to be a fracture. Clearly, this guy's going to take advantage of him. For some reason, it does remind me more of, like, Uncut Gems or whatever it's called. But, yeah, no, that was Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, it, because of people, how people are taking disadvantage of one another. I just don't want it to be too much of a Jewish stereotype of, like, just him being a shyster. He, he has a weird scene where he's like, my dad was a Holocaust survivor. This is Ike talking. And he told me I was going to amount to nothing. And you know what you do when a hero tells you that you're going to amount to nothing? You prove him wrong. And I was like, well, that's a good sentiment. And I understand how it's funny coming from this character who is, appears to have everything in order, but clearly is going to like do it underhandedly. Right? Mm, yeah. Is he the only person that he's taking advantage of? Marty? Uh, I, at least in the podcast, that's what I heard. Huh. Like, I mean, he he seriously like, like screwed this guy over. Uh, I guess we'll we'll see how. Well, I mean, but his his life already seems a little screwed over. <laughs> the what the what uh Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell actually did is they did fly out to the Hamptons where Marty lived and and actually interviewed lived. him. Or well, yeah, they interviewed <laughs> him, and then the Ike guy, Doctor Isaac, got his therapist license taken away in April, I think, of twenty twenty one. This April, yeah. Um, and then also um. Catherine Hahn, she was offered this on her last week of WandaVision, and then she had a uh, Zoom call with the person that she was portraying as well. So they tried their, their hardest for authenticity. However, Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd were very hesitant about the fact that since it's like not over the top and since there's not going to be a lot of improv going on, um, how the dialogue-heavy scenes, which I heard this show has a lot of, uh, would actually come across and work as. I mean, that it works in things like Loki, which I understand also has action, but when you see the Owen Wilson and uh, Tom Hiddleston scenes, people really, really like those together. Mm -hmm. So as long as the rating's okay. And the only reason why I would think that the rating would dip is if during those dramatic sequences, the writing between Ike and Marty's character, like, it's just too dramatic and it's hard to believe in. I, I don't know. They said that, the, that like, yeah, it's, it's supposed to kind of get to that level almost. The initial production was moved from New York to L.A. and scenes were rewritten because of the pandemic. I don't know. Researching this, did you feel like you wanted to see the show? Uh, not when I was doing the research, but when I listened to the podcast, I definitely wanted to listen to the rest of it because... Also, that's one thing. Uh, like, Paul Rudd was saying, yeah, we only really do focus on one side of the issue. <laughs> like, it's not from the psychiatrist's point of view because he had his license taken away. Right. Well, yeah, but, like, also in the podcast as well. So you don't really get the you other side Remember Straight Outta Compton where, like, some people got too big for their britches? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I feel like the shrink's going to become. Like, he at one time could have been made a good shrink, but then he just let his ego get too far ahead of himself and he just started manipulate like i don't know if they're ever going to try to humanize paul rudd's character um but they probably could have if they tried <laughs> this show doesn't need more backflashes so i don't know what exactly i want to see with it 
but I, I was kind of just enthralled with the uh, the mystery aspect of it and whether or not it'll pay off or not. So you're going to watch the rest of it then? Oh, I don't know. I might go watch the second episode, but if it gets bad, then no, I won't watch anymore. Yeah, they said that they were getting through like six to eight pages in a day, which Will Ferrell was said was different from a like movie where they only are able to do like two to three pages a day. Haley Steinfeld said the same thing with uh, when in one of her interviews for the last thing that we just did, Arcane, Arcane or whatever. Yeah. yeah, she was talking about going from uh, movies to TV or whatever. So thanks for listening to today's episode. We'll see you in the next one. Bye.